You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. Today is part three of this series, Born Again, and we've been, we've been talking about this idea that Jesus introduced because born again is not a religion. Born again is not a sect of Christianity. Born again is not a cult. To be born again is an idea, a method that Jesus introduced for a new kind of life, and it's for all of us. So for some of you, this series might have been a reminder, a reminder that you cannot achieve in the natural things that, can, that are supposed to satisfy your spirit. You cannot satisfy your spiritual yearnings with material things, with, with natural things. That's why sometimes you see someone who is very successful, somebody who has apparently all that you might wish and desire, a great house, a great job, an awesome career, the kids that are loving, a great marriage, but still... There's something on the inside that is not quite complete. How can that happen? How can somebody who outwardly seemingly has everything that you would need to be happy still feel unfulfilled? How could that be? It's because their spirit life is malnourished. It's because their spirit is empty. And this is especially true if you're not a God person. If you're here this morning and you're not a God person and you're in search of something, I'm not putting you down, but this is especially true for you because you know there's something on the inside that's not quite right. There's something on the inside that's not quite complete. And you're on a chase, you're searching, and you're on a quest, and you're looking for something. And you can't satisfy it in the natural. You've probably already realized that because that's why you are here. That's why you're listening. That's why you're watching. But this can also be true if you are a Christian. This can also be true if you are a spiritual person or a follower of Christ. Because if you follow Jesus, but your version or your way of following Jesus means I'm going to abide by the principles. I'm going to follow the rules. But you are not praying. You are not reading the scriptures. And you are not breaking bread together with others of faith something will be missing on the inside and it's probably the case that if you are a Christian if you are a follower of Jesus and you're trying to do this life with Christ and you feel flat you feel like your life is not all that it could be it's probably because one of these three elements is missing in your life you haven't been praying you haven't been reading your scriptures and you haven't been breaking bread which, you know, we don't break bread actually every service here. We don't eat of the bread and drink of the wine, which is really grape juice. My dad pastors a church, and one, 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 just a side story, one communion service, he decided to bring real wine and to serve it on wine glass, which is a bigger quantity, right? And have people share the wine glass in church. We had a sizable church. It was about... 12 or 13, there was about 400 people there. So there was a lot of glasses of wine, a lot of wine in the church. But some of the people that didn't normally drink wine, didn't know it wasn't grape juice, took a big gulp and it's like they were hungover in church right then and there. We don't want that, right? So we serve you grape juice. (laughs) 
But the breaking bread and the sharing of the blood of Jesus happens every time you're together with a believer. Because we're sharing of his body. What? He said, I I'm, I'm the bread of life. So the life that he gives is the bread. The life that he gives is the blood. And when you share that, when you encourage somebody, when you share the life of Jesus with somebody else, you are sharing of his body and of his cross. And if you haven't been doing that consistently, you're probably feeling a little bit flat. See, following Jesus is not meant to be a set of rules. A set of rules can give you temporary satisfaction. It's not bad to follow rules, good rules. It's not bad to do that, but it'll give you only a temporary satisfaction. It's not lasting satisfaction. And a walk with Jesus, following Jesus, was never meant to be following rules. To be born again is to have a life-giving experience, relationship with God. To pray is not just to recite words that are memorized and you don't even really know what it means. To pray is to commune with your heavenly Father that loves you, that is so gracious to you, that has forgiven you, that has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, to read the scriptures is not simply to read an owner's manual. It's not just to read a manual for your life. I have heard that, that analogy. I don't disagree with the analogy. But for me personally, it's an analogy that's not very exciting. And I'll tell you why. The problem with that analogy for me is that I only look at a manual when there's something wrong. If something broke in the car, you look at the manual. Should I replace this or look at that? If something is wrong with an equipment, that's when you bring up the manual. But the scriptures are much more than that. They're much more than encouragement when you're down. They help you when you're up. They give you more strength when you're up. They give you encouragement when you're up. They give you more wisdom when you're up. These scriptures are life. He said that his words are life and they will not pass away. Earth and heaven shall pass, but my words shall not pass away. The words, the scriptures are life to you. And being together with your brothers and sisters, with people who, who are for you, is very important. See, we're not meant to live this life disengaged. We're meant to live it out. And that's much more than following rules. Life with Christ is bigger, is greater than following rules. Jesus defined the purpose for his life in your life and the nature of his relationship with you in this way. We read it from John 14 uh, verses 4 through six, and it says, and you know the way to where I'm going. He said this to his disciples. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The way, the truth, the life. Three full, amazing, rich words. Three full, amazing, rich concepts. The way, the truth, the life. Last week we talked about the way. We explored the impact of the way in your life. How the way changes you. How the way gives you a new identity. How the way shows you your reality, but it doesn't leave you where you are. The way changes you and reveals your purpose and causes you to climb higher. And last week we also shared about the demands of this way. And the demands are very simple. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. Take upon you my yoke, which is easy. 
See, it's easy, but it's still a yoke. It's easy. It's still your part to play. You still have a part to play. And the part that you play is very simple. We are invited to follow. We are invited to follow him on a journey. And that's our part. That's what we should do. See, Jesus did what we couldn't do. He already took care of what we couldn't do. And he did what we couldn't do so that we could do what we should do. There are things that you should do that are your purpose, that are your plan on this earth. And it will become revealed to you as you follow the way. That's your part. See, we follow him because he is the way. We follow him because he is the truth. We follow him because he is the life. And Jesus never hid his purpose. He never concealed his purpose on this earth. He never concealed why he was here and what he was here to do. It was always plain. It was always open. It was always available for all to know. But not everybody could see it. That's why he told Nicodemus, you have to be born again to be able to see the kingdom of God. Not everybody could see what he was about. And this wasn't a matter of education or ability to interpret situations. This was a matter of living in the spirit and being born again. Not everyone could see it. One of those people was Pilate. And there was a dialogue between Jesus and Pilate that we find in the New Testament in the book of John chapter 18. We're going to read a few verses from that dialogue. And Jesus is talking to Pilate. He had just been arrested. He was about to be crucified. And Pilate comes to inquire of Jesus to find out whether he is really proclaiming himself king and going for an insurrection against the Roman Empire. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Very simple and straight question. Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? In other words, I didn't say it. Is this your idea or somebody else's idea? Pilate answered, I, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. Very simple analysis. You can see this, Pilate. You can verify it. Then Pilate said to him, so are you a king? Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king, but for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world. Here it is, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And after he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. It is right there, plain and simple. It's clear. There are no parables. There's no stories. There are no difficult questions. Very simple. Are you a king? And he says, my purpose is to be a witness to the truth. I'm here to witness to the truth, to be a witness of the truth. And Pilate asks, what is truth? See, this was a question that was not odd for uh, uh, educated people. Just some 400 years prior to that, the great philosophers of that time had been pondering about that. And that was a question that was among the, the educated people, it was not a question that was strange. But Pilate says, asks the question, and turns his back on Jesus. And walks away on the one, the one person who could answer. 
The one person who was the answer about the truth, he just turns his back on him and walks away. See, truth is a very dense, is a very multi-layered subject for us to tackle. And I don't presume to have all the information to give you here in the next 20 minutes of what truth is. Because thousands of years have been spent pondering of what truth actually is. And nobody has come with any specific definition of what truth is. None that will satisfy everyone. But we do know this. We all need and operate by truth. Every single one of us. Every single one of us from the smallest to the less young. We all operate by truth. We need truth to live. Whether you realize it or not, this is true to you. Now, here's what we all know about truth. And I'm going to articulate it in a way that you might have not articulated it before. But it is true to you. And if you think about it, you know this. This, this is something you know already, okay? We do what we do because we believe it to be true. Everything that you do, you do because you believe it to be true. You do what you do because you believe it to be true. Your spouse does what your spouse does because your spouse believes it to be true. Your child does what your child does because your child believes it to be true. Everyone you know, they do what they do because they believe it to be true. And I've said this here before, that belief doesn't need proof, but it needs truth. Because truth is the most elemented, element, uh, elementary uh, thing uh, in our existence for our decision making. It's the most basic thing that we, that we sustain our decision making. Is it true? See, you don't need proof to believe in something, but you do need truth. If it's true to you, even though you don't have proof, you will act on it. If it's true to you, even though you don't have proof, you will engage in it. You will vote for it. If it's true to you, even though you don't have proof, you will propose to it. You will invest in it. You will spend time with it. If it's true to you, even though you don't have proof, you will move. You will make the decision. You will engage in it. Everything you do, whether you realize it or not, you do it because you believe it's true. And this is how we live. Everything we do, we do what we do because we believe it to be true. Now Aristotle, one of the great philosophers of the Greek age, he defined truth in a simple way. He said, to say of what is that it is. And to say of what is not, that it is not, is true. Very simple. In other words, you state the facts. Truth is factual. Truth is about what is. And if you say that it is what it is, and you say that it's not what it is not, then you have spoken the truth. Now, many have, have, many have dismissed this argument or this idea, this comment on truth as incomplete. as too simplistic. And, you know, some argue, I think, too, that Aristotle meant it to be simplistic. Because how can you define truth? But people have dismissed it because many times the facts, which is what Aristotle claimed to be the main thing of truth, the facts can be interpreted by your belief system. The facts can be submitted or subjected to a subject to your belief. 
You know, you believe, your belief about the fact, your belief about something can become a truth that you have about that thing, that experience. And I'll give you a very simple example. We have three children. Two of them are three years old. One of them is seven. And sometimes we're in the house and we just hear, Mom! <laughs> Alini hears that how many times a day, babe? Mom! She pushed me! Now we need a family meeting because the other said, no, I didn't. No, I did not push you. So let's gather the family. Is there a witness? All right. Can you state your, your, can you state your opinion on this matter? And we confer together to find, what actually, find out what actually happened. And generally, most times, this is what happened. What one interpreted as a push, the other one gave as a tap. As a nudge, as a gentle shove. It wasn't a push. It was a, a tap, a nudge. But still, two opposing truths that they believe in. Now, this is the reason why we have a court system in this country. Because many times, whether people are intentionally concealing the truth... Or whether they think that they have the right facts. And because they have the right facts, they have ownership of the truth. The, the court system exists to find out what truth has been subjected to. Because if truth has been subjected to your judgment, if truth has been subjected to your belief, then it might be that you don't have all the facts as they were. But here's the thing about the court system. The court system hinges and the court system is interpreted according to the law of the land. There's a standard that, that truth or what they're doing is weighed against. There's a standard that every truth that people come to bring to the judge and to the witnesses or the jury is weighed against. And it is weighed against the law. If it, if it matches up the law, then it's okay. But that's the court system. And here's my question for you. What is, quote unquote, your truth weighed against? What is the truth in your life weighed against? You know, it's hard to talk about truth without mentioning this dilemma that we are inferring to here. And I'm only going to go a little bit more in this conceptual idea, okay? But it's hard to talk about truth without talking about objective truth and subjective truth. Those are the two opposing ideas that exist today. Some people say truth is entirely subjective. Other people say truth is entirely objective. In other words, does, you, does, does truth shape you or does, do you shape truth? Is what is true to you true to everyone? Or is what is true to you slightly different than what is true to somebody else? Do you shape it or does it shape you? Is your truth different than my truth? See, if we go down this rabbit hole and try to analyze and break down truth, we'll probably be here all week and we will have no substantial answer. But uh, here's what I believe. We live in a world that has both. We live in a world of objective and subjective truth. Whether you believe that they exist or not, people around you believe so. And here is a, a, a simple example that I'll give you. Okay, and this is how I come up to this conclusion. First, 
If you say that all truth is subjective, that argument in itself is, is uh, uh, self-defeating. Because that's an objective argument about the truth. If you say all truth is subjective, or there is no objective truth, that's an objective statement. It's like me saying, I have told you a million times, I do not exaggerate. If you actually said it a million times, you, you would have spent probably years saying, I do not exaggerate, I do not exaggerate, I do not exaggerate to get to a million. It's a self-defeating argument. There's no way to, to make even the argument that there's no subjective truth or there's no objective truth. Now to say, and he, here's how I put it, okay, in a practical way. Here's an objective truth statement. You were born. I'll, I'll compound that with a second statement. You were born of a woman. Every person in this planet was born, and every person in this planet was born of a woman. That's true whether you believe it in it or not. And here's a subjective truth, that I believe it with all my heart, and you might not. Tex-Mex is delicious. It is probably one of the best, it is top cuisine in the world. And it's the, probably the third thing I miss the most about Texas. Family, friends, Tex-Mex. Right there. There's no good fajitas around here, I'm sorry. You may say you have had good fajitas. You haven't had good fajitas until you've been to El Tiempo Cantina on Richmond Avenue in Houston, Texas. All right? I had uh, multiple birthdays a year there because my waiter used to give me free tres leches for my birthday. Sometimes it was my birthday I didn't even know. He would just slide one in and go, here, happy birthday, and walk right off. I'm like, dude, I had a birthday last week. It's like September. My birthday is in April. What are you talking about? <laughs> An objective truth stands alone. It's, it was true before you arrived in this world, and it will be true after you die. It stands alone, and it, it shapes your belief. A subjective truth, especially if you call it your truth, is a truth that you have come up with that your belief has shaped. You, you believed it, so your belief shaped it. And many times, once you're gone, there goes the truth too. Once you die, the truth dies with you. That specific truth dies with you. And I'll give you one last analogy, just so you can make this distinction well, okay? If you probably, you probably watched uh, the show American Idol in its heyday. You know, if you haven't watched then, there's plenty of videos on YouTube of the auditions. And on American Idol auditions was one of our favorite things because you would get people in those auditions that really believed they could sing. I mean, they went out there and they went all out, man. And they really, really believed they could sing. They thought, the truth is this, I'm an undiscovered artist. And you guys are about to see the greatest thing you have ever seen in the world. And they stand in front of those very well-accomplished artists who have studied music and performance their whole lives. And it's a train wreck. And we're laughing because of the way they edited. And, you know, we, you, know we, you know what happens. Back in the day, Salmon Cowell just like, out. You go out. It's horrible. And uh, they go in that little booth or 
give the testimony. And this, this, is, this is where you see the two uh, uh, truths operating in people's lives. The people that were legitimately rejected. Some of them, many of them, will go on camera and say, I guess it's not for me. I guess I had the wrong idea. Or maybe, you know, I got to go back to work. Didn't work this time. Maybe I got to work on my craft a little more. And off they went. But some of them, not, not a few, some of them thought that the entire system was rigged against them. Because how could you not have believed this is true? See, and you, I know where you stand. You're here and you're saying, but JD, they were horrible. They should have been sent home. I'm with you. And you might say, that's an objective truth. There's, no, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, you, you shouldn't sing. You might be great at something else in your life. But please, don't do this again to yourself. But to them, they had that conviction. To them, it was true. Why? Because we do what we do because we believe it to be true. But now, how about you? How about truth as, as it pertains to you? What are some of the things that you have believed in your life that have, have, that have held you back? What are some of the things that you have believed to be true about you that maybe are not true at all? What are some of the things that you have believed to be true about your life that have, hold, they have hold you back, held you back from advancing? They have held you back from moving forward. They have held you back from investing in an idea. They have held you back from you actually stepping out into something that you are supposed to do. But there is something in you that you think is true. And it might not be true at all. See, many times we believe what we believe to be true are just things we believe. They're just things we believe in, and they are not true at all. You believe it, therefore, it might be true to you. You know, I'm talking about things that you believe about yourself, things that you believe about your present, about your future, about your past, that you shouldn't have believed in, things that are holding you back, things that are negative, things that you think to be true that are not true at all. You know, things like, I'm, I'm, I'm not marriage material. Listen, maybe you had a bad situation. Maybe you had a bad relationship. Maybe you had a bad marriage and it wasn't good. And it was abusive and it was a bad season in your life. But that doesn't mean you're not lovable. That doesn't mean there's nobody out there that, can, that you can love and have a complete life. That doesn't mean that you can't be a great husband or a great wife. That doesn't mean that you can't raise a family well. That does not mean you're not marriage material. It just means that you had a bad experience. You know, how about this? Oh, I can't live without this substance. Maybe you haven't said it out loud, but in your mind, you believe it. You believe that that's true, that you cannot live without that thing. And instead of, instead of breaking free what you have formed in your mind, it's arguments. Oh, it's not that bad. It's not really that bad. You know, as long as I do these other things to compensate it, as long as I do these other things to make sure that I am putting more health into my body than I'm doing bad to my body, it's okay. But if you look underneath those arguments... The reason why you haven't believed that you can break free is because you think that you can't, that you depend on it. That's the truth that's in you, that you believe. To you, it's true. You might think, I don't have what it takes. Who told you that? 
Who told you that you don't have what it takes? Why do you believe it? You might think, oh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not meant to be a father. I'm not meant to be a mother. Who told you that? Why do you think that? Could it be that you are being held back by things that are not true at all? Could it be that the things that are holding you back are there because you are abiding in the wrong word? You are abiding in the wrong things that were said to you. Maybe you are things that were said to you when you were little. Maybe things that were said to you when you were growing up in your formation years and it stuck to you and it should have never stuck to you. But the enemy knows how to get in and put a label on you and stick something in you in a way that it hurts and it stays there forever. Why do you believe what you believe? Are you believing in things that you should have let go a long time ago? Are you believing in things about yourself that you should, you should have never believed? See, you are here today. And you are standing on your experiences. You're standing on things that maybe you even blame yourself for. You're standing on things and beliefs and truths that you think are true because of your experiences. But I have news for you. Today is the day of your freedom. Today is the day that you will break free, that those thoughts will leave you, that you will not be captive to those lies anymore. Because that's what a lie is. A lie comes in always pretending to be true. That's the nature of a lie. If a lie came in and said, I'm a lie, it would be true. <laughs> the nature of a lie is that it disguises itself so you, that you may believe it. And when you believe in it, to you it's true. But it's not true at all. Much of the truths that we claim to be true, much of the truths that we have shaped by our belief, they are not true at all. They are lies. I'm calling them truths here today because it's what you believe it to be. But it's not at all. Today is the day of your freedom. Today is the day for you to see those things break away from you. Yes. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you were truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. See, when Jesus said, I am the truth, he didn't say, I am a truth. He didn't say, I'm a competing truth that you can believe in in case you need a truth. Hey, if you need a side truth on your side pocket, here I am. I'm a truth too, okay? He says, I am the truth. I am the truth that can set you free. I'm the truth that crushes every lie. I am the truth. He wants to be the truth in your life. The truth that you can stand on. The truth that you can make decisions by. The truth that can set you free. See, much of our experiences exist in that way. We believe so that it can be true. We believe so that it can come true. If you have a degree here today, when you signed up for school and you sent in your papers, you believe that one day you would get that degree. So you put in the work based on that belief and eventually it became true. If you were married here today, somebody proposed to you or maybe you did the proposing. You believed in that experience. And you worked toward seeing it become a reality. If you have a business here today, one day it was an idea that you believed in. And it worked and you invested and you sacrificed. And now it is true. It's true. And much of our experience with truth is subject to belief. Because you believe first so that you could see the truth later. But when Jesus reveals the truth, it's different. When Jesus walks into your life, he is the truth. 
And because you have seen the truth, then you believe. Because you have already seen that it is true, then you believe. That's how you can break free. That's how you can break free. When you know the truth, when you discover the truth, because truth is meant to be discovered and known, then you believe. I'll give you a final story. It's found in uh, Luke chapter 5, verses 20 through 26. And this is the story of a paralytic man. A paralytic man who can't move. He's bedridden. He's bedridden and he's been bedridden. But he has some good friends. How many thank God for good friends? Thank God for good friends who want to set us, who want to see us free. These good friends had heard about Jesus. And Jesus was teaching in a place, in a house. And scripture says that there were Galileans there and, and Judeans there. And there were people from all over in Jerusalem, including the Pharisees and the teachers. They were there to kind of like check on Jesus and, and, think, and, and go like, hmm, let's see what this guy's up to now. And Jesus was there and the friends took the paralytic on his bed to the place where Jesus was. And the place was so packed that they couldn't get in. They were outside looking in. And they were like, I gotta, we got to figure out to get you in front of Jesus. We got to figure out a way to put you there. We got you, buddy. We got you. We're going to lower you from the ceiling. We're going to break this house down. And you're going to help us fix this later. Because you're going to be good. <laughs> they went up to the ceiling. Removed some tiles. And lowered him on his bed. They had never seen an elevator before. That was the invention right there. They lowered him on his, bed, on his bed on a makeshift elevator from the roof. And this is what the scripture says. That Jesus, when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, and he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. And they glorified God and were filled with awe saying, we haven't seen anything. We have, we have seen extraordinary things here today. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. I wonder how many times that man was lying on that bed thinking, I'm here because I'm guilty. It's my fault that I'm in this bed. I'm here because of my past. I'm here because what I've done wrong. I'm here because I deserve to be here. I'm here because I'm cursed. Jesus looked at him and said, your sins are forgiven. How many of us here today are laying on beds, paralyzed? Maybe not physically, but in our hearts, in our minds, you feel paralyzed because you think that it's your fault. You think that you're guilty. You think that you're there and you're meant to be there. Jesus is telling you, your sins are forgiven. Whatever guilt you carry, whatever thing that's keeping you down, it's taken away from you. He has taken it away from you. He has forgiven your sins and you can rise. So here's what happens sometimes. For you to receive God's forgiveness, for you to receive Christ's forgiveness, 
you have to shut out the naysayers. Because when people live by rules, like the Pharisees, they live by rules. They were not bad people. They were quote-unquote good people, but they were standing on their goodness. When you live by rules, you're saying this, God, I got this. Just tell me what to do. I got this. And that's what the Pharisees and the, the, the teachers were doing. They're like, who do you think you are, Jesus? We know, we know how forgiveness happens. God alone can forgive. You can't forgive this man. He can raise from where he is because you have forgiven him. And in our lives, it's the same way. You might have accusers, people in your life saying, no, 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 no. That's, 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 not, that's, that's not how you get free. No, 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 no. That's not how you change your mind. No, 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 no. That's not how you get out of that bed. You got to shut out those voices. Shut out the voices that function by rule. Because you have been born again. There's a life on the inside. And here's what you need to know. And you have to know this. For the rest of your life, you have to know this. His truth overwrites your truth. Whatever you have believed in that is not true at all, but it's been true to you, God's truth overwrites it. It overwrites your truth. I don't know what you've been facing today, but His truth overwrites it. Even when the medical report says you're going to be paralyzed, His truth overwrites it. Even when you get that letter saying you're, supposed, you're, you're about to get foreclosed, His truth overwrites it. Even when you get bad news, a bad report, His truth can overwrite it. His truth overwrites your reality and overwrites your truth. What are you facing here this morning? What are you facing this morning that you need to surrender to God's truth? His truth can change you. His truth can set you free. And the same truth that raised that paralytic and said, listen, this is not how I made you to be. This is not how you're meant to live your life. You're not meant to live bedridden. You're not meant to live paralyzed. The same truth that caused that man to rise up and take up his bed and go is here this morning. And he's telling you, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. You can rise again. You can move again. Those lies that you have been believing in, they're not true at all. They might have been true to you up until this day, but today is your day of freedom. Today is your day of freedom. Why don't you stand? Do you receive it this morning?